Welcome. You are listening to Liberty Solutions Now. On this show, we'll address the topics of natural law, consciousness, mind control, the occult, and everything else that is related to freedom on Earth. Liberty Solutions Now will take a look at what is truly going on around us and within us in order to offer powerful, grassroots solutions to the biggest problems we are experiencing. Now here is your host, Justin Bauman. Alright, welcome to the show. My name is Justin Bauman. This is episode 4 of Liberty Solutions Now. My website is libertysolutionsnow.com. Today is Friday, March 18th, 2022. In the last episode, we talked about the ego and how it's the part of the human psyche responsible for perceiving ourselves as separate from other beings in the environment. Then we moved on to talking about ego identification which occurs when one becomes unconscious and identifies with concepts, thoughts, and emotions. This is done through the mechanisms of attachment and resistance, which feed the thoughts and emotions and creates a dysfunctional relationship with the mind, leading to irrational, destructive behavior. We briefly then touched on how letting go, thereby failing to engage in attachment or resistance by becoming present, takes power away from unhelpful contents in the mind and makes free will choice possible again. From here, we dove into the case study of Elliot Roger, a serial killer in 2014 that wrote an insightful manifesto that allowed us to see how it was ultimately the fear of looking within that led to the day of retribution when the murders took place. To avoid looking within, Elliot used a variety of ego defense mechanisms to the extreme, which ended up warping his worldview, which ended up being the direct cause of the atrocious actions he took on the day of retribution. These ego defense mechanisms included projection, avoidance, denial, displacement, compensation, and rationalization. Then we explored what traumatization is and how it works. The continued refusal to feel his own emotions led to increased level of traumatization, which made Elliot Roger even more crazy and unstable to the point where he felt like he had to kill other people. This story is a very dark story, but there's a lot of value in it. It served as a warning for everyone being ruled by fear and are ignorant to how the mind and traumatization works. Now let's get into today's topic. The world was appalled by what took place between peaceful protesters demanding vaccine mandates be dropped and the police in Ottawa, Canada. The truckers and other protesters showed up unarmed while the police came in with sniper rifles, assault rifles, batons, pepper spray, and other weapons. Police were very liberal in the use of these weapons too. It's as if some of them were excited to finally have the opportunity to project their own unresolved anger onto the protesters and physically harmed them in whatever way they could without consequence. Arresting and battering people indiscriminately for no reason, trampling a woman with a horse, and using frequency weapons were all actions the Canadian police engaged in. On top of that, they made fun of the people they brutalized on social media afterwards. These police officers who swore an oath to protect and serve appeared to be much more like the serial killer Elliot Roger that I talked about in the previous episode than anyone with an untrained eye would have imagined. If you haven't done so already, you need to watch the previous episode of the show on ego identification, defense mechanisms, and trauma to fully understand what I'll be talking about in this episode. It won't make much sense otherwise. I can't stress this enough. I can't stress enough that for this series, every episode needs to be watched in order from episode one to accurately understand the whole picture. These police officers are really just fearful, ignorant children that ended up displacing their internal hatred onto others through violence because they felt they could get away with it. They're obviously not children physically, but psychologically and spiritually speaking, they are. This is the type of scum that is attracted to these types of jobs. In fact, I once had a neighbor that wanted to become a police officer. 
When asked why he wanted the job, he said he wanted to be able to, quote, beat people up. That was it. That was the only reason. Due to the centralized nature of the institution we call government, it acts as a psychopath honeypot, which means the worst types of people imaginable in society get drawn to these job positions and then exert control over everyone else. This way, they can live off the actual productivity of others like the low-life parasites they are. These people are immoral order followers, which is the worst kind of person anyone could be. Order following is the exact opposite of exercising conscience. Exercising conscience means to definitively know the objective difference between moral behavior and immoral behavior, and to choose the moral behavior. When you break down the etymology of the word, the word itself even means to know together. Since good moral people exercise conscience, you cannot be a blind order follower and a good moral person at the same time. You cannot follow orders and exercise conscience at the same time. Ultimately, individuals who follow orders have been responsible for the rise of every single tyrannical regime in history. These people don't uphold any sort of constitutional oath they took, nor do most of them care about it at all. They're not principled people. The truth is, they'll do whatever they're told to do by their boss for a paycheck. And their boss will do what his boss tells them for a paycheck, and all the way up the line. That's what they really swore an oath to. They swore an oath to money that they would do whatever it takes to keep that paycheck coming in, even if that means violating other people's rights. You could even say that that is their god. That is their idol. Right now, Russian soldiers are engaging in the exact same order follower dynamic the Canadian police engaged in by aggressing against the country of Ukraine by waging war on it just because their psychopathic dictator, Vladimir Putin, told them to. On January 6th, during the supposed capital insurrection, American police also engaged in the order-following dynamic that both the Canadian police and Russian military engaged in by arresting protesters and holding them for indefinite periods of time in prisons, even though they broke no law and did nothing wrong. Anyone who supports the police and military institutions as they stand right now supports the order-follower dynamic that these institutions engage in. It's not that I'm against people defending other people's rights through physical force if necessary. What I'm against is the order-following dynamic, as any moral person would be. I'll never support anyone that is willing to do absolutely anything for a paycheck, including harming innocent people that have done nothing wrong. So no, I do not support the troops, or back the blue, because they're order-followers. Individuals have to earn respect. Stop blindly following orders and exercise conscience. Come to the understanding of the objective difference between moral behavior and immoral behavior and choose the moral behavior. If the police and military were continuously and constantly exercising their conscience after having come to the understanding of the objective difference between right and wrong, instead of blindly following orders for a paycheck, then I may actually have some respect. If these two institutions actually recognized respected, and adhere to natural law, and condone exercising conscience rather than order following, then that would be something I could support. Right now, we have institutions that condone order followers that will do anything based on the whims of evil men and women trying to increase their own power at everyone else's expense. Fuck that. You'll never have my support as long as you do that. Conservative Republicans have no issues supporting the order-following police and military as long as they perceive themselves as benefiting from these two institutions. Everyone else be damned. However, 
they'd change their tune pretty quick if the bombs were being dropped on their own children instead of some foreign country, or if it was their friends or family members being beaten in the street by police. All of a sudden, as if by magic, they would stop supporting the order following military and police. The Freedom Convoy truckers and protesters got a pretty strong dose of the reality of what order following is all about in Ottawa. That's the current state of policing all around the world. I don't think there were many of them that liked it very much. The reality is the military and police have always been about blind order following without discernment. And as a result, innocent people have suffered needlessly at the hands of these institutions. The only difference now is most people that desire personal freedom in their own lives actually care at this moment because the vax mandates adversely affect them personally. There's also a lot of blind order following that takes place outside of the police and military institutions after all. So ultimately, when it was other innocent people these protesters didn't know falling victim to order following in the past, there was nothing but apathy and inaction on their part because it wasn't affecting them or their families personally. There's a lot of confusion on this topic because there are a lot of people looking to gain more power or maintain their position of power by convincing others that morality is subjective. This is where the scientific materialists and New Age movement have it all wrong. What these groups do is give you a straw man definition of objective morality. Then they disprove the straw man and then say morality is subjective. A straw man fallacy, which is an error in logic, occurs when someone's argument is misrepresented so that it can be easily refuted by the other side. They have an erroneous idea of how objective morality and consequences work in the universe, so they end up defining what objective morality is incorrectly. They think that because there are scenarios where you can do something bad and then never get found out or caught, then morality must be subjective. Since a piano doesn't immediately fall on you after you do something evil or bad, then natural karmic law must not exist. It doesn't work that way. Although instant consequences can occur in some cases, there is typically a time lag between the immoral act and the negative consequence. Negative consequences resulting from violating objective morality takes place in different forms as well. It's not always even seen in the physical world. A lot of the time, the karmic punishment takes place before an act of evil is even committed in the physical world. Take the case of Elliot Roger that we talked about in the previous episode. He didn't really do anything evil until the end of the story when he murdered six people and injured 22 others. It can be clearly seen throughout the manifesto since the beginning that Elliot was emotionally suffering. The punishment commenced long before the act of evil even took place. He was being punished by natural law by allowing himself to fall into the state of consciousness he stayed in as a result of his own fear and ignorance. The karmic punishment came first, and then... Later, the manifested act of evil was simply a reflection of his own internal state. These scientific materialists and New Agers will also come up with these outlier scenarios to try to prove morality is subjective. They may say something like, well, lying isn't always bad. You may tell a white lie to someone to prevent hurting their feelings, for example, if they don't look good in a piece of clothing. While this appears to be true in this situation, I'm talking about much bigger issues here that are actually of real importance, like lying about a particular experimental injection aimed at making billions of dollars at the expense of others' health. I'm talking about lying about data that could actually help people make positive informed decisions in their lives. Lying about how consciousness works, and as a result making people suffer in ignorance. This is what I'm talking about. It's not these other silly scenarios moral relativists bring up. What is it that determines objective morality? It's the law of cause and effect that's been put in place in the universe that determines it. 
The result is what determines whether an action is immoral or immoral. Anything that creates chaos, disorder, and slavery is immoral, and anything that creates harmony, peace, and freedom is moral. Anything life-affirming is moral, everything that is not is immoral. What works and is practical is moral, and what doesn't work and is impractical is immoral. Anything that causes suffering is immoral, anything that alleviates suffering is moral. Anything that's constructive is immoral, anything that's destructive is immoral. Anything that creates more freedom is moral. Anything that creates slavery is immoral. That's what the natural law of objective morality is in the universe. The vast majority of people don't think of morality that way. They think it's just a collection of petty, arbitrary suggestions and nonsense weird religious people teach. There is some truth in that. Religious institutions have muddied the original message to the point of absurdity, but you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. The original teachings were talking about objective moral law, the law that determines what sort of result we get in the external world based upon our thoughts, emotions, and actions collectively. And it's not me telling you this that makes it so. It just is the case. I'm not saying I believe this is the case. I'm telling you I'm one of the many throughout history that's recognized objective moral law as being in effect, and you could come to the same deep understanding as you progress through the show. Most people have a very limited view of what slavery actually is. When they think about slavery, they think about black slaves working on plantations in the South and being physically shackled so that they can't move their hands or feet. What most people think of as slavery is one small aspect of what it is in its totality. You can be enslaved on different planes of existence. You can be spiritually enslaved, you can be mentally enslaved, you can be emotionally enslaved, and you can be physically enslaved in a lot of different ways that don't involve your movement being restricted with a ball and chain, for example. Make no mistake that the entirety of humanity is enslaved at this present moment in one way or another. This includes the particular individuals conspiracy researchers call the elite. Even for those at the very top of the control system who seem to not have to answer to anyone, they are still slaves. They're not physically enslaved, but they are indeed mentally enslaved. No matter how you slice it, just like the people they claim to have control over, they are slaves to fear. That is why they do what they do. If they weren't slaves to fear, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing, and a control system wouldn't exist here on Earth, because there would be no impulses or desire to control other people. We do not have to wait to die to finally experience heaven or hell, despite what religious teachers tell you. Heaven or hell is being actively created right here, right now, in the physical world, based on the choices humanity collectively makes. What manifests is determined by natural law. Are you actively contributing to the creation of hell on this planet? You understand natural law based on the effects you see in reality. It also helps to look at natural law's effects not on just a small micro scale, that only deals with individuals or small groups of individuals, but also on a macro scale that deals with very large numbers of individuals, like an entire country, for example, to see it more clearly. Negative consequences can be more easily seen when considering the aggregate. When the quality of thoughts, emotions, and actions of an entire country is added up, that's what determines the quality of the shared physical reality that manifests for all of those individuals in the aggregate. The law of freedom is this. As morality increases, freedom increases. As morality decreases, slavery increases. A country cannot be immoral and free at the same time. It's not possible as mandated by natural law. Why? 
It's because people engage in immoral deeds because of fear, ultimately. And because reality is a mirror, when you commit immoral acts out of fear, reality gives you more fear and more immorality in the external world. Since most people don't realize they are causing their own slavery out of fear, humanity stays stuck in a vicious cycle where fear gives birth to more fear and more fear and even more fear endlessly until the cycle is broken. What happens is humanity acts out of fear. This creates a feared situation. In response, humanity acts out of fear some more, which creates more feared situations. So humanity acts out of even more fear and so on and so on endlessly. It's madness and it has to stop. The entire purpose of this show is to get you to see more clearly over time that the law of freedom is inherent within nature. Why is reality a mirror? Remember, reality behaves as a mirror and will give you what you fear most because fear shuts down consciousness. When consciousness is shut down by fear, it is only capable of seeing what it is projecting onto the outside world, which is fear. From this level of consciousness, wrong actions are inevitably taken that lead to bad results. The number one rule of reality creation is like attracts like. Now you're starting to see how a lot of these concepts fit together that I've been talking about in all these episodes. This is why the whole time I've been saying you need to watch all the episodes in order for future teachings to make sense. Now let's go back to the protesters. You're always hearing protesters talk about their constitutional rights and how they're being violated and how politicians, the police, and military need to respect them. There are always those that think their country's paper constitution will enforce and protect their rights. I hate to break it to some of you, but your country's constitution is just a piece of paper. No piece of paper has ever protected me from anything in my life. You can't use it as a shield, it doesn't stop bullets like Neo in the Matrix, or protect yourself from any weapon your adversary has. You may, however, be able to give your aggressor paper cuts if you wield it properly. So it doesn't provide zero defense, paper cuts count for something. Jokes aside, people have blind faith in their paper constitutions because they think that the judicial system that was set up in their country, that's supposed to follow the piece of paper, will protect their rights without understanding the existing incentive and punishment dynamics that are stacked against justice and against ordinary citizens. The paper constitutions of different countries are frauds. The US constitution is a fraud. The UK constitution is a fraud. The Australian constitution is a fraud. Every single country's constitution is a fraud. This has always been the case, is currently the case, and will continue to be the case from now into eternity. Why? It's because these paper constitutions are an externalization of the real constitution. It's a weak imitation and externalization of the real constitution. The real constitution is within. According to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the word constitution has four different definitions. The first definition is what you'd expect it to be, which is the basic principles and laws of a na nation, state, or social group that determine the powers and duties of government and guarantee certain rights to the people in it. This is a false constitution though. The second definition reads as being the structure, composition, physical makeup, or nature of something. This is the internal constitution that actually has value. Okay, so what is the real constitution exactly? The real constitution is what actually creates, enforces, and maintains freedom under natural law. Natural law is immutable, which means it's unchangeable, unwavering, which means it never makes compromises, and always in effect. So if humankind satisfies the requirements necessary to bring about freedom under natural law, it will be attained and continuously maintained as long as the requirements for it continue to be met. It is nature's law. It is God's law. 
The law of freedom is just as real as the law of gravity is. The only difference is the law of freedom cannot be as easily seen as the law of gravity. The law of freedom requires knowledge and close observation to be seen. What does the real constitution consist of? Developing the real inner constitution, which is actually the only thing that can create and maintain freedom, both internally and externally, takes time and effort to cultivate. It requires developing character. It requires being the opposite of what the bulk of humanity has been conditioned into becoming. It requires being the opposite of being a self-absorbed, apathetic, lazy, ignorant coward. The opposite of this is crafting yourself into becoming a caring, active, engaged, knowledgeable, and courageous person. This honorable person cares about the well-being of humanity as a whole. They don't get bogged down by all the negative bullshit constantly being pushed out by the media. They take proactive and positive action to help break humanity out of slavery it's currently in on every level. They understand the occult, natural laws of manifestation, and do the right thing, no matter what. Now you see why people want to so strongly believe with all their hearts that a piece of paper can take the place of all that and protect their rights. It's much easier and more comfortable to do that than to go on the journey of internal transformation that would actually create the change thereafter. Psychopathic rulers all around the world don't want you to understand it is actually this inner constitution under natural law that actually creates the condition of freedom. They don't want you to know this because it is the only law that exists in the universe that is truly binding. You cannot escape these cosmic rules. So if people figure this out, their system of control is over and there's nothing they can do about it because natural laws are the rules of the game for this universe. The laws man writes down on pieces of paper in government are fictitious and arbitrary when compared to nature's law. Or God's law, if you feel comfortable calling it that. You know man's law is fictitious because it is not binding the way that natural law is. You can break man's law and get away with it. You cannot break natural law and get away with it. You can only seem to get away with it from your perspective. Another difference between man's law and natural law is that natural law is consistent. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, natural law is still the same as it is everywhere else. It works 100% of the time and everywhere. Man's law is arbitrary. What is legal in one place is illegal in another place. This is another way you can tell what law is real and which one isn't. Governments and the dark occultists that actually rule the world want you to think that it is their fake paper constitution found within man's law that gives you your freedom instead of the real inner constitution found within natural law. Most people have bought into this lie totally. The truth is the complete opposite. They'll do anything to keep you from looking within and instead get you to buy into their false version of law. Imagine the hubris of these men to call their every whim law as if it could even be compared to a law of nature. Getting people to buy into their false version of law achieves multiple goals for them. It keeps people complacent and trapped in a normalcy bias. They'll think thoughts like, that could never happen here, and they'll remain inactive. I'm sure a lot of individuals thought that the events of 2020 couldn't happen here in the United States, and then they did. In addition, when natural law and the real constitution isn't acknowledged by the masses, then those in government who've claimed they have the right to rule others don't face consequences, at least in the short term. This is because if people's faith lies in man's law, in a paper constitution, they'll abdicate their personal responsibility to someone else to protect their rights. But over time, they ultimately get nowhere doing that. This allows those that think of themselves as elites to stay off the hook for a while. The so-called elites love that the bulk of humanity buys into man's law. 
They love it because man's law is not binding for them like natural law is. They can break their own made-up laws all they want and not face any consequences, at least for a time, because their subjects won't hold them to natural law standards due to the mind control they've been subjected to. You can only protect and enforce your rights if you have the right internal constitution to begin with. What you're really protecting are your natural law rights given to you by nature itself, not fictitious rights written on a piece of paper. Here's a great example of how the inner constitution within natural law protects rights. Do you think the COVID mandates would have been relaxed anywhere in the world at all if there wasn't any resistance to them whatsoever? What if every single person had just continued to comply to a T while having faith that their country's paper constitution would eventually come to their rescue? What if no one resisted, refused to comply, filed any lawsuits, educated others on what was really going on, or did anything else? The answer is, everywhere would still be just as locked down as it was in March of 2020. So there are some people that intuitively understand that they have to enforce their own rights to keep them, even if they don't totally realize paper constitutions are a fraud. Where did the resistance and the refusal to comply come from in these individuals? It came from an inner constitution that consisted of courage, care, and the willingness to take personal responsibility and proactive action. All of our lives since childhood, we've been conditioned to believe that the government is an institution made up of Congress, politicians, the president, vice president, the police, the military, the bureaucracy, etc. What if I told you it's actually none of these things in point of fact reality? What if I told you government is actually non-physical and it cannot be seen or touched? The word government etymologically originates from ancient Latin. It splits off into two parts. The first part is gubernare meaning to control. The original Latin used a B instead of a V. The second part comes from mens or mentis, which translates to mind. Broken down, government means mind control. The meaning of it is embedded in the language itself, and it's no accident. What is the real government? In reality, it is not the coercive and violent institution we call government that keeps slavery in place on earth. This institution is just a symptom that manifested from the root causal factor which is mind control. For example, when you catch a cold and get sick, the runny nose you get isn't the cold itself. The runny nose is a symptom of the cold. It's the body's response to something else happening within your body. In addition, when you have a cold, many other symptoms can arise such, that, such as a sore throat or a fever as well. Even if you didn't have the particular symptom called runny nose, but still had a sore throat and a fever, you can still be said to have a cold. It works the same way with mind control and the manifestation of unpleasant external circumstances, such as the existence of violent and coercive institutions in our world. A variety of different coercive and violent institutions can arise from humankind being in a mind-controlled state collectively. Immoral order followers that do the bidding of Congress and the president is just as much a negative symptom of mind control as the traditional monarchy was in the past which would be rulership by king or queen. Another negative symptom of mind control would be technocratic control, which is rulership by large technology corporations and experts. All of this oppression, no matter what flavor it comes in, is a result of the same root causal factor, which is what the real government in point of fact reality is. Mind control. Mind control is what it is inherently in nature. Mind control is only possible when existing in a state of fear and ignorance. Fear and ignorance feed off each other. Out of this fear and ignorance comes dysfunctional ways of thinking, feeling, and acting in the world. Out of mind control comes cowardice, laziness, and apathy. Cowardice, laziness, and apathy 
is indicative of a very poor inner constitution that can only manifest increasingly intense levels of bondage and slavery over time. Despite how dark this appears, this is actually the best possible situation we could find ourselves in. The reason why is because all of this means that we are the cause of our own reality and aren't stuck with what we have. We have the power. We just have to reclaim it. If we created this, we can uncreate it and create something better. If enough of us develop the courage to overcome fear, take personal responsibility, and take intelligent right action, then our internal world and the circumstances we see outside of ourselves can change very rapidly for the better. Future episodes are intended to demonstrate what overcoming this fear and taking personal responsibility looks like in the real world to bring about the change we say that we want. That's it for today. You've been listening to Liberty Solutions Now. I hope this episode blew your mind, hence the explosion in the background of the slides. My name is Justin Bauman. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this content if you find it valuable. Thanks for listening.